Welcome to Dave's Daily Crypto Take. Today is Friday, November 12th, 2021. Let's take a look at today's charts. At number one, BTC is at $65,262.72, up 1.10%. Number two, Ethereum, $4,797.53, up 4.36%. Binance Coin, number three, $633.54, up 3.56%. Tether at number four, $1. Solana at number five, $236.80, down 0.24%. Cardano at number six, $2.09, down 0.01%. XRP number seven, $1.23, up 2.98%. Polkadot at number eight, $47.28, up 2.76%. Dogecoin at number nine, $0.26, up 2.61%. And last but not least, number 10, USD coin, $0.99. Let's take a look at the Crypto Fear and Greed Index. Extreme fear can be a sign that investors are too worried. That could be a buying opportunity. And when investors are getting too greedy, that means the market is due for a correction. And what we got is greed at 74. Yesterday was extreme greed at 77. Last week was greed at 73. And last month was greed at 70. Let's take a look at our five articles today. Article number one is Kevin O'Leary says his crypto holdings today are almost at 10%. Here's how he decides which to invest. Article two, the U.S. government says these NFTs are now illegal. Tough luck, NFT fans. Article three, few reasons why Ethereum decoupling from Bitcoin might have to wait. Article four, why a crypto rewards credit card is probably a bad idea. And last article number five is what is staking crypto and how does it work? All right. So uh, let's take a look at these articles. But before we get into it, I just want to say thank you so much to all my subscribers and supporters. I've been looking at the analytics and thank you so much for everything that you guys have been doing. Um, Please like, share, subscribe. And if you're catching me on the podcast, catch me at Apple, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. All right, let's get back into it. At number one, Kevin O'Leary says his crypto holdings today are almost at 10%. Here's how he decides which to invest. So during a Reddit talk session on Thursday, Shark Tank investor Kevin O'Leary said that his cryptocurrency exposure is near 10%. I've grown the portfolio remarkably, O'Leary chairman of O'Shares ETF said. At the beginning of the year, I was at 3% waiting. The target was to get 7% by year end. However, because of the appreciation of so many assets of the now that I have, we're almost at 10% today. His holdings include many digital coins, but also products in the space, such as companies building decentralized wallets, O'Leary said. So we're going to end up at the end of the year with a very significant holding in crypto assets. And it's not just Bitcoin. O'Leary declined to disclose all of his holdings, but noted that he owns Bitcoin, the largest cryptocurrency by market value, Ether, the second largest and native to the Ethereum blockchain, and USD coin, a stablecoin among the top 10. Though he admits he owns a lot of Ethereum, O'Leary does believe in some of its competitors, he said. Some people think the game is over and Ethereum is it, but I don't agree. There are many other alternatives, whether it be Solana or anything else, he said. If you're an investor like I am, you want diversification. That's the key. Uh, 
In particular, when determining which cryptocurrencies to buy, O'Leary analyzes the software behind each, he said. I am a software investor, O'Leary said. I'm going to put an allocation into the software of crypto because I believe it will change and be disruptive to a lot of different markets all around the world. Rather than analyzing the pros and cons of Bitcoin or another coin, O'Leary said he asked himself the following, can I identify the best teams? Who are the best developers? How do I invest in them? What ledger is that? Should I own a piece of that too? That's how I'm looking at it, he said. Similarly, billionaire investor Mark Cuban, co-star to O'Leary on Shark Tank, also determines whether to invest in cryptocurrencies based on their utility. We're seeing a rush where there's a lot of different blockchains that are competing. Cuban said on a recent episode of the Next with Nova podcast, when they start to put smart contracts to work, that's when we'll start to see things really level out. It's going to come down to applications and integrations. However, it's important to remember that all cryptocurrencies come with risks due to their volatile and speculative nature. Financial experts warn that investors should only invest what they can afford to lose. For O'Leary, some level of diversification is the key here, and I'm going to be reflecting that in how I invest. So there you guys have it. What do you think about this article? Kevin O'Leary says his crypto holdings today are almost at 10%. Here's how he decides which to invest. Comment down below and let me know what you think about Kevin O'Leary. Do you think he's telling the truth or do you think what he was saying back a few months ago saying that crypto is dead? All right, let's take a look at article number two. The US government says these NFTs are now illegal. Tough luck, NFT fans. So forbidden NFT. Non-fungible tokens, better known as NFTs, have rocked the worlds of both blockchain and art this year, while generating endless new debates about everything from money laundering and fraud to what it really means to own a digital asset. And now the drama is getting even deeper with the U.S. government's Office of Foreign Assets Control declaring this week that numerous NFTs and even one entire exchange are now verboten. The list of banned stuff first spotted by blockchain startup Elliptic and highlighted by Vice's motherboard include a Latvian NFT marketplace called Chatex, as well as dozens of specific works of digital art, including intriguingly some assets listed on a US-based exchange. In other words, the fracas is a collision of art world drama, federal government drama, blockchain drama, and international sanctions drama a spicy meatball of legal, technical, and financial shenanigans that could shed light on the most explosive aspects of NFT culture we're likely to see moving forward. Sea legs. Basically, it sounds like the feds think Chatex was using digital asset sales to launder money from ransomware and darknet shenanigans. The most interesting part of the saga, though, is arguably that the outlawed NFTs included ones listed on the U.S.-based exchange OpenSea though the site did remove the listings after Motherboard reached out about the issue. We automatically block addresses on the U.S. sanctions list from buying, selling, or transferring on OpenSea. An OpenSea spokesperson told Motherboard in a statement, nobody was able to transact with these NFTs once the addresses were added to the sanctions list. As an additional measure, the items and accounts are no longer visible on OpenSea. So, There you guys have it. What do you think about this article? The U.S. government says these NFTs are now illegal. Tough luck, NFT fans. Comment down below and let me know what you guys think.
All right, let's get into the next one. Article number three. Few reasons why Ethereum decoupling from Bitcoin might have to wait. So Ethereum has comfortably established itself above the 4,500 mark, while Bitcoin continues to trade north of $65,000. Now, even though the top two assets have more or less similar quarterly ROIs, return on investments, BTC charted 49% three-monthly ROI versus USD, while Ether reaped 55% ROI over the same time frame. Here, it can't be denied that Bitcoin has largely been the driving force behind the crypto market gains. So BTC versus ETH, the Ethereum flipping Bitcoin narrative has been around for quite some time now. However, ETH's straight up northbound movement since 1st of October has further fueled the narrative that Ethereum could decouple from Bitcoin and also flip the top asset. Nonetheless, the fact remains that Bitcoin is digital gold is a much clearer and well-established narrative than Ether is oil for dApps. That being said, Bitcoin market dominance and first mover advantage have always fueled rallies triggered by BTC's price hike, followed by Ethereum's and then other altcoins. In fact, most cryptos, especially Ethereum, still have a high correlation with BTC. Notably, while the BTC versus Ethereum correlation score seemed to be dropping, it still held above 50%. Now, towards the beginning of November, the ETH BTC one month realized correlation went down to as low as 60%. However, it soon picked up. At the same time, while the one month correlation is still pretty low in relative terms, it has high values having climbed as high as 93% over the last month. Decoupling might have to wait. Looking at the price action of the top two assets in terms of recovery, ETH has performed better than BTC. Bitcoin is up by 7.2% and 7.2x this cycle, which is still much below the peak of 29.5x in the previous cycle. Even so, the same was much higher than the bottom multiplier of the previous bear market at 4.9x. On the contrary, Ethereum is uh, ahead of Bitcoin in terms of its recovery run. While BTC is digital gold, can a narrative of Ethereum powering the metaverse change the game for ETH? Well, seems like the network might not be ready for the same. As highlighted by a recent Echo Economics uh, report, Ethereum's current state of the network isn't ready to power any kind of metaverse at scale. Uh, why? Well, mostly because very few people are going to use NFTs. So for gaming purposes, if interacting with them costs $100 to $200 in gas on average, this means that Ethereum will uh, need mature L2 ecosystems to operate uh, at scale, which isn't happening in the near future. That being said, looking at their relative price, uh, ETH BTC is still 50% below at all high time high in set in 2017. So uh, notably, while ETH recovered and rallied better than BTC, it also fell harder during the bear cycle. Additionally, BTC gains have been key to triggering market-wide rallies and even Ethereum recovery. So look like Ethereum decoupling from BTC still looks like a distant dream. However, the top two assets could have a more parallel trajectory. All right. What do you guys think about this? Few reasons why Ethereum decoupling from Bitcoin might have to wait. Comment down below and let me know what you guys think. All right, I uh, just wanna take the time just to take a break and say thank you so much to everyone that's been supporting me and all subscribed and commenting. 
Uh, I've been getting a lot of love for the Dave's Daily Crypto Take on the podcast realm. So again, I see a lot of people listening to the Apple podcast. Of course, if you have friends or family that have Android, they can catch me on Google podcast or Android, uh, Spotify. So again, please share it uh, if you want to get unbiased crypto news takes. All right, let's keep on going. Article number four, why a crypto rewards credit card is probably a bad idea. For most borrowers, a simple cash back card is always going to be the better option. With crypto rewards cards, a small percentage of your purchases can be redeemed for cryptocurrency instead of cash back or points redeemed in a rewards portal. But just because you can combine your credit card rewards with cryptocurrency speculation doesn't mean you should, as less risky cash back redemptions might offer you more value in the long run. So what should I know about crypto rewards programs? Most cards offer flat 1% to 2% rates on every purchase, while others offer variable rates based on categories of spending. Since a lot of crypto exchanges offer these cards, Sophie, Gemini, and BlockFi, in partnership with MasterCard or Visa, the crypto is typically deposited into an account on these exchanges. But while it's true that a cryptocurrency could have potentially astronomical value if it eventually replaces fiat currency, as many enthusiasts believe, this is still a highly speculative long-term bet. Due to crypto volatility and highly speculative value and thousands of competing blockchain currencies to choose from, there is no guarantee that any given cryptocurrency will have long-term value. Before signing up for a crypto rewards card, ask yourself about the following considerations. One, the rewards value. Cryptocurrencies tend to fluctuate wildly. 10 to 15% price swings in a day are not uncommon. So there's no way to predict what your accumulated earnings might be at the future date. Even if you plan to hold on to your rewards, it's also possible that a given cryptocurrency will be worth $0. You'll also want to check for any extra fees related to crypto to cash redemptions as they can undercut the value of your rewards. Two, the rewards options. While some crypto cards do offer redeemable cash settlement credits and other rewards, they tend to be limited in terms of what you can redeem compared to regular rewards cards that offer higher cash back rates. And despite the odd exception, most vendors don't accept crypto. So it's a bit of a hassle to actually buy stuff with it, if that's what you wanted to do with it. Three, lack of choice. Some cards offer a few currencies to choose from, but most just offer Bitcoin or Ethereum, which further limits the flexibility of your rewards. If, say, Dogecoin becomes king and these currencies eventually tank for whatever reason, you'll be left with holding the bag. Last, taxes. Whenever you cash out on cryptocurrency that's appreciated in value, you have to pay capital gains taxes. Even if you're only charged a low capital tax rate of 10%, that's still a considerable chunk of change for any amount of cash converted from cryptocurrencies. On the other hand, regular cashback rewards are considered discounts by the IRS and are therefore not taxed. So what's the bottom line? There's nothing wrong with putting some money into crypto, but you might want to just deal with the exchanges directly. They will offer you more choices and you can do a one-time purchase rather than signing up for what's essentially a crypto subscription service through your credit card. Plus, rewards cards already offer a sure thing in terms of instant cash value. 
even if that's just $30 per month based on your spending habits, that might not have the potential to grow 1000%, but it won't be 0% either. So what do you guys think about this? Uh, why a crypto rewards credit card is probably a bad idea. For most borrowers, a simple cashback card is always going to be the better option. Comment down below and let me know what you think. Do you hold a rewards credit card? And if you are, do you think you'd actually want a crypto rewards credit card in the future? All right, let's take a look at our last topic and the main topic today. What is staking crypto and how does it work? You may have noticed Ethereum and many other altcoins have adopted something called proof of stake. Here we unpack how it all works. If you've been following crypto, you might have heard about staking, whether in relation to Ethereum's upgrade Ethereum 2.0 or across smaller coins that make staking a big part of their setup. Example, Cosmos, Cardano, Polkadot, Solana. It's fast becoming a more mainstream aspect of crypto life. Yeah. So what is crypto staking then? Staking is sort of an evolution of Bitcoin mining, the process that makes Bitcoin blockchain work. Mining is a mechanism known as proof of work, POW, where the quickest computer to complete the task such as processing a translation or adding data to the blockchain gets rewarded in crypto. This means every computer on the network is constantly scrambling to try and complete things first, which uses a lot of energy. Staking uses a system called proof-of-stake. This works by the blockchain randomly assigning a computer to carry out the task at hand. To stake, you put aside part of your holdings of the blockchain's native coin, your Ether for Ethereum's blockchain, for example, and the amount you stake gives you a probability of being assigned the task. The more you stake, the higher the chances you'll be doing the task, processing transactions, validating information, and more. When you complete the task, as with mining, you're rewarded, but you can also earn interest for staking generally on some blockchains. So it's fair. It's also better for the planet because everyone isn't scrambling to be first, so way less energy is used up. That's why people think Ethereum could overtake Bitcoin one day. Not everyone who owns crypto on POS blockchains takes part in that proof of stake, but they can, and there are rewards for it. So what does staking involve? When you stake crypto, you offer up part of your wallet to the blockchain, like collateral. This means a fraction of your wallet you've staked is locked up for a certain period of time. You can unstake it and it's still your money, but sometimes this can't be done immediately. Also, with some blockchain, you'll need a minimum amount of the native coin to begin staking. For example, Ethereum requires you to have a minimum of 32 ETH to get involved. That's roughly 110,000 euros at the time of writing. Others are more accessible, though. Cardano's minimum is one ADA. That's the name of Cardano's crypto coin, which is around $1.50 at the time of writing. In terms of what is involved in your part, that's usually not much to it. Actually, it's all pretty passive. You don't actually manually do much aside from setting up how much of your crypto you want to stake. For example, to stake Solana on the wallet Exodus, you simply tap a couple buttons and you're good to go. It'll take a good few days to start earning rewards and it takes a few days to unstake. If you want to unstake, you'll have to unstake the entire amount you staked in the first place. This then goes back into your holdings, your balance. So what are the rewards? There are plenty. Firstly, as noted above, it's better for the planet than mining crypto. 
only one computer is spending the energy to complete the task needed instead of everyone trying to be the first to do it. Also, you can all earn crypto or tokens depending on what you're staking from it. These can be as a payment for completing tasks or simply as part of their interest scheme. Some offer a percentage of interest per year paid in that token on coin you have staked. Staking is also good for the blockchain as the more people doing it, the quicker the blockchain becomes. This can be good for you if you hold the native coin of that particular blockchain. For example, the crypto coin Ether for Ethereum's blockchain, as the price will more likely climb. With some blockchains, staking also means you get voting rights on decisions about the blockchain's updates and future, like you do when you invest in certain companies. Are there any risks? Of course, crypto is loaded with risks, and many of these apply to staking too. For starters, crypto prices are super volatile. So if you've put money away and can't access it for a few months, but the value of the coin plummets, you can't cash out. Also, specifically when staking, there can be fines for misconduct. This is called slashing, and this is when a blockchain will burn a proportion of its stake, the pool your stake crypto goes into, if people attempt to break uh, rules. Guilty computers can also be removed entirely. Sometimes a bug can cause this to happen, as can honest mistakes from computers. Will it be better than Bitcoin? Well, proof of stake is far better for the environment. It allows more scalability than Bitcoin, as seen with far speedier transaction times. But that doesn't necessarily mean it'll catch on. Bitcoin is pretty massive, and entire countries like El Salvador are using it. So the sentiment could well become why change, and therefore the other coins will fade where Bitcoin increases. So there's never a guarantee of anything going the way you want it to. Will staking crypto make me minted? Well, uh, not really. Not on, on, on its own, at least. But it'll add to whatever you already have. A little like interest does only a better percentage than you likely getting at your bank. Cardano currently gets around 5% interest per year, which is a fair bit better than the Bank of England's interest rate at the moment, which is 0.1%. They can also be more generous than that. On Exodus Cosmos, the coin is known as Atom, has an average reward rate of 10.32%. Of course, you can earn more by being selected to complete tasks, which will boost the income. But generally, this is a good passive income option. Also, there are fees for staking which vary from one blockchain to the next. Generally, they're less than 5% and are taken as percentage of your reward, so it's not too shabby. Could anything else to overtake it? Well, there is something called proof of history, which you can argue is the latest in line of proof of systems. Solana is the leading blockchain using this, and its native coin Solana is doing pretty well at the moment. According to Coinbase, it's climbed 56% over the last month at the time of writing. That's pretty huge. But the big, big gains don't mean it'll take over the likes of Ethereum and blockchain Bitcoin. Neither is there really a way of proving proof of history is why Solana is doing well, but it sure can be an indicator. Eagle Eyes will have noticed at the start of this column that you can stake Solana. Proof of history uses timestamps so that everyone knows what's going on just quicker and with less energy. It still needs regulating though, hence the staking. In conclusion, there's no guarantees in the world of crypto that staking can help to boost the amount of a crypto coin or token you have already relatively little work. Some wallets like Exodus make it easy as clicking as a few buttons. 
for instance. However, there is actually always a risk of losing your stake due to errors or by not being able to sell that portion of your crypto if the value plummets suddenly as it's locked up. As always, do some research before jumping on the wagon. Staking is not for everyone, so be careful out there. So everyone, what do you guys think about this article? What is staking crypto and how does it work? Comment down below and let me know what you think if you're interested in staking or if you just want to stay in the exchanges. All right, let's take a look at the prices one last time before we head out. We got BTC at $65,262, Ethereum at $4,797, Binance Coin $633, Tether at $1, Solana $236, Cardano $2.09, XRP $1.23, Polkadot $47, Dogecoin $0.26, and last but not least, USD Coin at $0.99. So there you guys have it. Thank you so much for making it this far into the podcast and YouTube video. Again, this is Dave's Daily Crypto Take. Uh, Comment down below if you have any questions, concerns, or any updates that you want to hear in the future. And if you're in the podcast, please leave a rating and review. It does help me out on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Until then, please have a great crypto day, and I'll see you guys in the next one. Peace.